Welcome to Teaching Brood. Today we're going to continue with our series that we've done for new teachers. Go new teachers! Hooray! Yay. We need more of you people. There's yes, so many jobs out there for you right now. Like internationally, there's tons. Well, there's also tons at home, too. Yeah, it's true. We're international, so you know. Go international! Yes. Um, it's fun. Specifically, um, we're going to be looking at curriculum today. Yeah. Now, what we're talking about here is we're talking about if you're working in a school in a country or maybe the school hasn't necessarily adopted a educational curriculum that has been developed and is kind of in place. We're talking about, like, if you're in Canada, the Canadian curriculum across the various provinces is, is well developed and established. It's the same thing with the UK or Australia or, you know, I mean, Japan. There's, you know, these countries have well established and developed curriculums. So what we're talking about here is if you're in a school that either is not adopting the country's curriculum standards or has it has chosen not to use any for a variety of reasons, what do you do? How do you know what to teach? Where do you go? And so hilariously, I, I mean, I didn't actually see this as being even really a question because as a music teacher, most of the schools in my life that I have walked into haven't had a set curriculum. And so I was kind of like, what? You mean... There's other people that walk in and are given a nice shiny binder full of curricular materials. Cool. And for a lot of in, uh, international schools, there are, in fact, like for most journalists, we do have established curriculum we're, we're supposed to teach. I've worked in several years the American Outcomes, uh, or the Canadian ones, depends on where you are. So, what does a subject specialist do? Well, for a lot of us, we rely on um, countries that have already got a curriculum or a set of standards and we will adopt those as we can um, needing to of course modify for things like local culture and time uh, it doesn't always make sense to teach some things that might be in a curriculum because they really have no relevance to the local population no it's true and um that, that, for that, because of that reason, um, when you're adopting uh, curriculum from another nation, you've really got to be quite deliberate with it, so as not to, so as to make sure you're covering all your bases in terms of being culturally relevant, as well as making sure you're not doing anything that's culturally inappropriate. Yes. Because you can run into situations where just because something's culturally appropriate and as an outcome for one country doesn't necessarily mean it is for the country that you are currently working in. And it's very so, important to be mindful of that. Yes, very mindful of that. Um, and in terms of generalists, I mean, for us, where there's generally four or five different subjects that we have to teach, typically you're going to find uh, a curriculum, and a lot of them are publicly online. The Canadian one is, the UK, America's outcomes are all online. You New Zealand find, is online. Australia yeah, is online. I believe they are too. And you can just find them. And I mean, I wouldn't, you know, cherry pick different outcomes from different nations. Because that could lead to some holes, maybe some stuff. holes mix-ups. And you'll find that like in areas like math and literacy, certain countries say you should teach certain things in certain years. They shouldn't at others. Pick one and kind of stick with it. Because um, I think that will help guide things. Yeah. Um, 
and look into what your school has done in the past and what's been successful um, for the population. If they adopted adopted American standards at one point and they were not very successful with the population you were in because of the country they were in, um, but it looks like the Australian standards might be, then go with the Aussie standards. They're typically similar, but there are some differences. Also look to see, your school may not have a written curriculum, but they may have other related documents. So there may be a list of standards that are on the report cards that you can develop a curriculum based on those. There may be a scope and sequence um, that's already set out where you can develop your curriculum from that. Exactly, and so I don't think you're alone on this. Like ask your principals, and if they're kind of being very flexible, like a lot of inquiry-based schools, and I'm talking about strict inquiry-based schools, would say you don't necessarily need to use a curriculum. And if you're in that situation and you're really wanting one, then, you know, use them as guide points as opposed to like, you know, the be-all and end-all situations where I have to cover all these outcomes. That's Um, exactly what I was thinking. The, The curriculum becomes the guide on your side. Yeah. So in the same way that like when you're running a genius hour, you attach the outcomes to their projects. You might also do a similar thing with an inquiry-driven school where you would choose the outcomes based on what the student is doing or what the student is inquiring about on that time. You might not necessarily have it kind of going, systematically going through it the way an outcome-driven school would. So there might be a bit of a reversal of how the standards are done. Uh, so bear that in mind, like the approach to it, the direction with which you hit those outcomes or, or allow them to produce those guide points might be different depending on how, how you look at it and how your school's philosophical approach is. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in a smaller school where there isn't anybody else doing the same class or grade level that you're doing, um, you're still not alone. You can reach out to fellow people in other schools in the town. You can reach out to Twitter. You can reach out to your university professors. Um, I know that in one of the schools that I walked into, I basically took a, a unit of work that had been developed within my for, for one of my university courses and used that until I could find my feet. Yeah, and I know that in, my, in the, one of the first schools that I worked at, I mean, there was a loose adoption of standards. So, I mean, I just literally had to go look at them from time to time and go, where are you? Or I had to go to my colleagues and go, what are you doing right now? How are you planning things out? So we know it can be confusing. Mm-hmm. And if you're alone, you've got to attack, you've got to seek out those PLNs, the professional learning networks. Yes. Kind of help get your ground and get your get your footing. And honestly, one of the easiest ways to do that, Twitter. Yeah. Twitter. It can be like trying to drink out of a fire hydrant, but there is some really good stuff on Twitter. Yeah. Like, follow, start following a couple of educators. Follow the the massive web of links of various educators. Follow them and see what happens. And focus on like curriculum specialists and ask them questions and ask ask them like ask them questions because they know what they're doing. And if you're in that kind of situation, especially if you're a new teacher, most people will step up to the plate and help out. It's very true. And you actually brought up a good point. You said the curriculum coordinator, most international schools actually have somebody in that role. Yeah. So they might not actually 
um, be a specialist in your subject area. They might not know the difference between the different kinds of paintbrushes, but they will have their own PLN that they can reach out to as well if for some reason they don't actually have the documentation for a curriculum handy at their fingertips. Exactly. So there's simply resources out there to help you out and help them and to help you achieve the success you need, whatever school you're in, no matter how big or how small. Because these days, no matter what way you cut it, we are connected. And we can get more connected or less connected, depending on how we feel we need to do it. Yeah. So I would do, as a first step, I would be looking at the report card to see what has to be on there. Because you are under a deadline. If you're walking in and 10 weeks later, you need to be putting stuff on a report card, figure out what it is that you need to put on there. Your second step, go and talk to the curriculum coordinator in the school. See what they have to say. And then from there, start reaching broader. Yeah. And if you're finding that the report card is loose at best, then start your talk to the curriculum coordinator right away or the person who's in charge of the report cards. Find out what the philosophy behind the report cards is and then go from there. Because if the report cards are very loose, it might just be that they're still develop, still revamping things. Especially if it's a new school or if it's a school that is undergoing a big change. Yeah. And every once in a while, having that really loose report card can work in your favor. Yes, because you would have the chance to adopt, figure out what needs to go in there. Especially if you're a specialist, that might be your big chance to kind of go, okay, here's what should go in there for students at my age levels. Yeah. So right, hopefully folks. that helped. Yeah, that should be your advice. Uh, this bit of advice would be if you are ever in that situation where you are stuck on what goes next. If it helped, please make sure to leave a comment, a review, um, and pass this on to your teacher friends. Absolutely. Bye. All right, folks. Enjoy your night.